0: From your local Houston BMW Center studios, welcome to the Public Affairs Podcast, addressing local issues that affect our nation and shape our world. I'm your host, KG Smooth, joined by Uncle Funky Larry Jones. How you doing, man? Good morning, sir. Good to see you. Good get, get to be seen, man. Um, just uh, feeling a little, eh, because our guest that we have on today, he was the, I actually saw his tweet this morning. Yes. About the great Paul Mooney. Yes, sir. Um who we had lost, and um, this man right here, he is a Houston native, has um, created his brand by being a political analyst on networks such as CNN, MSNBC, and TV One, and then in 2018 he said, you know what, I'm going to make my own outlet my own show so he has his daily digital show hashtag roland martin unfiltered and the author of the new book white fear ladies and gentlemen mm-hmm. it's roland
1: martin
2: hey what's up gentlemen how y'all doing
1: good sir glad glad to have I you i'm to ask you a question yes, uh, yes sir. how
2: often do y'all have uh who's who voice is the deepest contest <laughs>
1: Yeah, you know at at my age in the game I just I just stop I'm I'm gonna give KG all props (laughs) he's next up and uh you know I'm just I'm just happy to be in in the building with this young icon he's a good cat but I got uh, I got to share a quick story before we start rolling Uh, um excuse me that's just you know I'm a southern boy Uh, I'm in Chicago for the first time green as green as can be 1980. I only spent about the first three months of my broadcast career here in Houston. Back at the same time, I'm all, I'm like six, seven years in the game. But mm-hmm. I get to Chicago. My second call on the air, my second phone call on WGCI, two to six in the afternoon, is Hey, brother, uh, weren't you just in Houston? It's Roland Martin. I'm from Jack Yates. I'm at the Defender. We're gonna do big things in the city.
3: <laughs>
1: Am I lying, Roland?
2: Hey, man, look, uh, and I let them know. And it was, a, it was a trip when I was there because, you know, cats had attitude. Yep. Because, you know, your brothers in Chicago think, you know, they the baddest cats in the world. So, man, I had dudes who were protesting me. I had cats who were out there picketing. They were like, you know, you, you coming here from Texas, you think you all that. I said, well, so y'all ain't made a profit in 20 years. So clearly y'all know what the <laughs> hell y'all were doing. That's why they called me. I said, I said your nickname was Chicago Offender. I said because y'all got misspellings all on the front page, and so clearly they had to call somebody from Texas. And so, and and, and when I say when I say I didn't care, yeah. man, I had this I, straight. This when I say the true story, dude Eddie Reed, he rolls up into the fender. He got he got he got two brothers next to him, like fake men and black brothers. They all trench coats and stuff. And <laughs> then my brother on. came to this me. Guy is hilarious. He said, uh, 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 Rose, uh, Eddie Reed here. I was like. Okay, who the hell is that? Right. He let him in. So I go up to the front. He's like, you know, I'm, I'm, here to, I'm here to meet with your boss. I said, all right, I'll go get him. He goes, you know, you come in here, you know, you flying at 30,000 feet. You can't talk to the people. I said, well, that damn dope and unlocks us. I got here. You could walk your ass in here day before now. <laughs> so then, no, I'm straight up. So then so then we go upstairs. We go upstairs uh, into Clarence Nixon, who's the CEO. We go upstairs. I said, hey, these cats want to meet with you. Uh, and then I see, said, Clancy, well, let's meet. He said, like, no, 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 no. We ain't going to meet. We we ain't going to meet with him because he's arrogant. Now, y'all got to bleep this out. I said, what the f*** you talking about? <laughs> I said, you walk your ass up in my building telling me I'm arrogant mm-hmm. with these two fake men in black. I said, man, f*** you. And I walked off. Yeah. So he calls. He calls. Uh, he calls uh, 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 another radio show. He's like, man, who this dude is? He's like, no, nah, no, that, that young brother legit. Mm-hmm. And he explained to him. Then he called me back. He's like, yeah, you know, I made some calls about you, and you know, you know, you a cowboy and I'm a gangster, you know. And the end, the cowboys and the gangsters always get what they want. I said, well, I'm always get what I want, but if you try me again, you gonna see what the real deal is, mm-hmm. man. They didn't. They were like, I don't know who this negro is. Yeah. But that, that so was I had to kind of let them know. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> don't and, and, try me. In in that era of Chicago, either you either you had that built in confidence. They want to call it swagger now, but the, you had to have that it factor going in. Because they were going to push you and test you. But Roland went on. Bro, they picketed me. Yeah. <laughs> right.
2: They put my salary on the street. Nia. And let me see what they did. What? Y'all, I'm just look, and I told you, I I look, I I'm straight up grouping in Clinton Park in Houston with the J Y. They were all scared. I said, Man, give me some subscription cards. Mm-hmm. They were passing out pamphlets to drive with somebody, boycott the Defender. I was right next to them and said, Man, move the hell out of the way. Here's a subscription card. Screw these fools. they stupid. They were like, Man, we ain't never seen no dude challenge. I said, Let me tell y'all something. I'm not afraid of any of these fools. I'm trying to revive a historic black institution, mm-hmm. and I ain't letting these pimps take control. Mm-hmm. They were like, Man, it was some happy folk when I left the Defender. But, that's how you got to roll sometimes, man. When you're trying to rebuild something, you have to go at some people
1: who come at you. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of going so, at people that come at us, Roland, you walk <laughs> us right into what in the hell is going on with white America, white fear, the Republican Party, the Trumpites, the fools. The, the Democratic it, Party, too. Well, them, too. I mean, win. I'll take them one at a time, but <laughs> I always. Look, this is the deal. Yes, sir
2: what you're witnessing right now is what we have always witnessed Mm -hmm. in the history of america black success has always been followed by white backlash Mm -hmm. 243 years of slavery 10 to 12 years of reconstruction reconstruction period 13th, 14th, 15th amendment black progress okay should have been better but black progress Election in 1876 leads to the Great Compromise of 1877 that ushers in 92 years of Jim Crow. You look at the lynchings in America. A lot of those lynchings were in a response to white folks being mad that black people were making money. Mm-hmm. Tulsa race riot comes up, 100th anniversary, May 31st, June 1st. What was that all about? White backlash. We've always had that. Civil rights movement. You go through, uh, the, I call it the Second Reconstruction. Brown versus Board of Education, black success. Boom. White folks sitting here, position, nullification, white backlash. Then you go through uh, the Civil Rights Movement, 13 years, Fair, Civil Rights Act, Voting Rights Act, Fair Housing Act. What happens in 1970? Boom, uh, you have white folks, uh, white flight and, and, uh, and busing. Then you have this period of black mayors across the country in the 70s. Boom, 1980, Ronald Reagan's elected, white backlash. Obama gets elected, two terms. What happens? Boom, Trump gets elected. White backlash. So what we're dealing with right now is that we are now in twenty two, this is twenty twenty one, we are twenty-two years away from America becoming a nation that's majority people of color. White people in America cannot handle losing power. Now, when I say losing power, I'm not just meaning political power, I mean mm-hmm. economic power. Mm-hmm. I'm meaning also the power to determine everything through a white prism. So for, for all of our lives. What is being considered the, the beauty standard in America? Easy. A blonde, blue-eyed, busty white woman. Mm-hmm. That's the beauty standard. What has been the how they view the flag? Oh, my God. We, we revere it. And you must stand for the Pledge of Allegiance. And black folks are like, hey, hey, that ain't always been it for us. See, they have, they, white America has always defined everything. Mm-hmm. There's a movie called The Good Shepherd. There's this. Scene in the movie that explains it all. Joe Pesci is playing essentially he's playing a gangster. Uh, 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 Matt Damon is working for the CIA and he's basically going to them to help to help kill Castro. So there's this scene and Petchy is talking to Damon and Pesci said, "He's asked you a question. We Italians, we got our family." He said, I think he said like this one group. I forgot what the they have. He said. Then he uses the N word. He said, you know, hey, even they, even they got their music. He said, what do y'all have? He was speaking of white Americans. This is what Matt Damon said. He said, we've got the United States of America. The rest of y'all are just visiting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. scene right there speaks to this. So it's killing them, man. That they can't control what happened. What the white death rate is higher in uh, more than a dozen states than the annual white birth rate. The reason they are so hell bent against this whole deal, when you watch Fox News and OAN and Newsmax, and they're talking about this this replace white replacement, is because they can't handle the uh, uh they can't handle the migration or the immigration. But we saw this in the last ten years in Europe, the backlash against. Uh, against uh, immigration there. Why? Because white people in Italy, in France, in Germany, Mm -hmm. in Ireland, in England, were not having kids. Well, guess what? You you gotta survive. So you gotta have immigration. So now all of a sudden it's kind of like, well then, now it's too many of them. Mm -hmm. See, so we've been seeing this. So this thing is happening in the Western world. We've been seeing this uh, now for the past uh, decade. Now it's hitting America. And they can't handle this, bruh. And so – and see, and it's not – see, the problem in America we define racism by a burning cross in a hood. No, 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 no. You got white liberals who are also seeing this because you got white liberals who don't want to let go of the money. You You got white Hollywood does not want to let go of the money, does not want to let go of the control of the image. You got every sector in America, Wall Street, law firms, architectural firms. White America has run this thing since the country before it was even founded, and now they're saying, "Damn, we we we're not going to be running this. We got to share power. We got to share resources. Mm -hmm. We got to share control." And they're not taking it well.
0: Mm -hmm. And that's why I think that they are setting up the Asians to be uh, the new white folks in America because you know. Well, no, 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 no,
2: not them. Actually, not them. See, Who is it? You're in Texas.
0: Oh, oh the Span- oh, Gotta okay. remember, Spanish. got to remember, they're
2: Mexicans. all white Hispanics. Yeah. See? Here's what's been going on, Because they, oh, they are double I agents. Oh, they are double agents, too. Well, no, 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 no. I'm not. No, no, no. I, I think we can. No, it's not double agents. Well,
0: I mean, I in terms not, of, like, if they teeter on... They can use they can pass as white. And so whatever they need to get, they can use their white privilege and pass as white. And then when it comes to whatever it is for, you know, Mexican, American rights, they can use that card. That's what I mean by double agent.
2: Right. So so here's but 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 here's how how they got to remember. America exported white supremacy. Mm -hmm. Hitler sent his lawyers to America Mm -hmm. to study Jim Crow. And he took Jim Crow, and that's what he used to attack the Jews in Germany. Yes, yeah. sir. Yeah.
1: He, he from
2: studied the United States. He, <laughs> yeah. he, literally, he, he literally studied the United States. Yeah. So we've exported white supremacy. So the hatred of black people has gone across the world. And so if you come here, hell, if you anything but black, you good. And so what you have is, so you have that racism that's coming with, with folks from, from from elsewhere now when you come here if i have the ability to pass or not consider myself to be brown mm-hmm. or black i'm good so now you're dealing with white hispanics and so you're dealing with white hispanics who see themselves again not all of them but a growing number see themselves more aligned voting wise and ideology with white americans mm-hmm. Asians, right, um in in that whole thing that w- within the Asian community has been, hey, keep your head down, work hard, assimilation. America has always taught assimilation. Mm-hmm. Don't don't call yourself Asian American, call yourself an American. Mm-hmm. Don't call yourself black American, call yourself an American. Well, hell, if y'all want me to call myself an American, well, treat me like a full American. Mm-hmm. Right. So, Which we are not. Well, so so <laughs> well, even though. By 2043, whites will comprise 47 percent of the country, and eight Hispanics, Black folks, and Asians will comprise 53 percent. The question then comes: Is <coughs> will uh, Hispanics and will Asians see themselves more and align more with white voters than with Black voters?
0: Mm. You're to, and the... we got
2: to put this thing on the table. Yeah,
0: yeah. You listen to the Public Affairs Podcast. We are talking to the man, Roland Martin, uh, from hashtag Roland Roland Martin Unfiltered and the author of the new book, White Fear, which will be out um, next spring. Um, This whole voter suppression law that was just passed here in the state of Texas, um, (laughs) go ahead and give it to us, bro. Your thoughts.
2: Same thing, my brother. White. Backlash. Yeah, Donald Trump lost. They can't handle losing, and so what they're doing is is using their power because they say, "Man, look, this thing is changing." They freaked. They 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 freaked out. They freaked out, man, by Biden Harris winning in Arizona and in Georgia, and they can't handle that. So they're going to use that power. They, they of course gerrymandering districts, mm-hmm. uh, controlling the state supreme court. Because they see what's coming. They see it coming. They see 85% of all of Donald Trump's voters were white. 85? 61% right. of Joe Biden's voters were white. You got to remember, the last election, 68 to 69% of all votes cast were by white folks. Mm. So I know we, so we talk about getting out the black vote, Latino vote, and Asian vote. But the reality is two-thirds of America, the folks who voted was still white. Hmm. which is why we push so hard for black folks to vote, because we have to over-index. We can't be lethargic in our voting like white folks. We can't afford to have votes sitting at home. Hmm. And so in Texas, this is about control, domination. This is why Republicans want to control the federal bench, control the Supreme Court, because they see we are not going to be able to win in the future. So Republicans always know, if we shrink the electorate, we make it harder, if fewer people vote, Republicans stand a better chance of winning. They know if you expand the electorate, they ain't got no shot. And that's why you saw that deal, and that's why they're fighting Harris County when it came to And that's why they're fighting what Chris did, expanding curbside voting and drive-through voting and make it easier, because Republicans do not want it to be easier. They know. Remember this here. Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick. why is he a fraud? Because he said – I will pay anyone $1 million Mm -hmm. who brings me evidence of voter Voter fraud. fraud. Did he spend any money? No. Mm -hmm. Why? Because they didn't find any. brought evidence of voter Mm -hmm. fraud. uh,
1: Roland, what about uh, your take on black folk who support Trump or that side of the Republican Mm -hmm. Party? Because I've been in barbershops where brothers uh, was like, I like
0: Trump because he moved like a street dude. And when I looked at it, I was like,
2: he does. Well, and, but 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 the reason that's so stupid, he moved like a street dude. But I'm sorry, uh, I don't I don't uh, emulate thugs. Right. See this this, this, this whole <laughs> deal of oh man, you know he sitting here, you know he he you know uh you know he gonna do what he say. Yeah, fool against you. See, mm-hmm. at some point, I need brothers to 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 wake the hell up mm-hmm. and and stop this whole macho yeah I'm the man stuff. Yeah, that fool don't give a damn about you, right? While he's sitting there touting the first step act, he was also telling uh police departments, "Yeah, we are not gonna uh, move for them consent decrees." Mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. like, you fools are voting for the same person who gonna who gonna who gonna cut you off. Jeff Sessions at Bill Barr told the U.S. attorneys, "No, go for maximum jail sentences." After Eric Holder told the U.S. attorneys to pull back, I'm like, y'all Jeez. fools voting for that?
0: I have a solution, Roland. And tell me what you think, and why hasn't this conversation amongst um, black people in american uh, in America hasn't had all of this can come to a halt if we become sovereign, if we know our real nationality, if we can prove that we are indigenous owners of this land. The federal government won't be able to do any of the stuff that they're doing to us. I was explaining like this: social security how? card and birth how certificate is still. How are you gonna do it? Well, it isn't it, if if we are indigenous owners of this land, like uh, um, the way that they operate here. Like they wouldn't be able to um, treat it. We wouldn't be. We wouldn't have to follow the laws of the federal government if we prove that we yes, are you do. indigenous. Yeah,
2: how? But how, how are you gonna do that? What you're describing. So are, are you trying to say? We we create uh, something similar to Native Americans and tribe lands.
0: Something similar to that, or do the homework as to get your lineage starting with your. But so here's the deal, great, though. The, pro- great, the problem
2: great... is because. Go ahead. Yeah, because the problem is because of record keeping, you actually don't have that. A lot of black folks who talk about oh, I'm from here, they actually don't know, and so it's so you really don't have. Remember, the link was broken records were not properly kept so you can assume you can track it back to a s you know to a certain a certain period but not all can actually trace their roots back and that's and that's, that's part that's part of the deal then. so we are we are, so you know we are we are still dealing with the legacy of slavery of literally being separated from homelands and now even being in this country you did not have proper record keeping to be the track of uh, our history and who we were and where we came from
1: dang we're well, with we're, that uh, <laughs> i wonder if we'll back around to uh, you, you reminded us that on the 31st it's the 100th uh, anniversary of the the Tulsa uh race riots we had a young man on a couple of weeks ago who uh said after that the the black wall street rebuilt itself And became sovereign again. And the thing that killed it this time wasn't necessarily white folk, but black folk who fled into white Tulsa because of integration.
2: Yes, that's actually that that is the case. Well, we have to let let me say this in this last point. uh, because I know my folks are blowing me up and I got another. But here's the thing that we got to understand. It's the hardest thing for us uh, to, uh, to understand. I celebrate Jackie Robinson. But Jackie, Jackie, uh, Jackie Robinson's ascendancy into Major League Baseball killed the Negro Leagues. Mm-hmm. The Major League talent was in the Negro Leagues. They simply did not have the resources of the white baseball owners. So that's why the white baseball teams, so-called Major Leagues, had better stadiums, better uniforms, better food, better lighting, better fields, better travel. The talent, though, was in the Negro Leagues. Mm-hmm. So – our our desire to prove that we were better also led to the demise of our institutions. Y'all need to have Gerald Horn, who's at the University of Houston, on your show. Yeah. He wrote a book called Paul Burnett's uh, Negro Associated Press and the Jim Crow Paradox. At every moment that black people put a nail in the coffin of Jim Crow. They put a coffin and they put a nail in the coffin of black institutions. Wow, mm. it's a deep, it's a deep thing, and so it's our desire for acceptance and white validation mm-hmm. also killed us ours, yeah. and it's still happening today. Yep, wow. So, well, yep. man, you, you know your stuff ain't as good as CNN. They they make they got a billion dollars profit, fool. Tell right. so if I had their money too, my stuff would be I will be as big <laughs> as they are.
0: Right, See? big facts,
2: <laughs> big See? facts. So it's understanding. A system being created, and how we're trying to create something in that system.
0: Indeed, Roland Martin. Hashtag Roland Martin. Unfiltered. Watch daily at uh, 6 p.m. Eastern, and the replays at 10, and two, and six. I mean, he has got it all. And then look for the book White Fear uh, available at Spring of 2022. Roland, we gotta have you back. Like we could have, we could have had you the whole hour, bro. Call me in time. Hey. let's do it again. Yeah, man, that's what I do.
1: God bless you, sir. We I love appreciate you.
0: it, Jim. Yes, sir. Thank you. Indeed,
1: and for everyone A-Town, else, listening, love y'all. <laughs> for everyone listening to the podcast, we'll be right back after this.
0: From your local Houston BMW Center studios, welcome back to the Public Affairs Podcast, addressing local issues that affect our nation and shape our world. I'm your host, KG Smooth. I've got
1: my my ride or die,
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uncle Foggy Larry Jones, and let me just say thank you to all the men and women who've downloaded our app and listening to in listening to our podcast across the globe and getting news and information from their hometown radio station, and especially our men and women in the military. We truly appreciate you. Uh, so, Anc, you have a Cadillac. I do. You got OnStar? I do.
0: Yeah, me too. So they've started something um, really big here uh, in the state of Texas. OnStar launches. Volunteer TX is going to be an online hub for volunteerism through uh, the Lone Star State, right here in the great state of Texas, and we have the OnStar CEO for Volunteer TX, Chris Bugby, is on the Public Affairs Podcast. Good morning, how you doing, man?
3: Great, it's good to be here. Um, one one point of clarification: we are different than OnStar in your Cadillac. We are One Star, uh, like the. A lone one, star on the one. Texas flag. <laughs> we do get that a lot, though. <laughs> it does.
0: Uh, uh, my sincerest apologies.
3: No, no I do have star one in my star. Truck, so it's good. <laughs> one star. Yeah,
0: as
1: man. in as in Lone Star, Chris.
3: So yeah, yeah, it's like the the one star, one state, one purpose. Um, is kind of our where our name comes from.
0: Well, let's jump right um, into yeah, it, my yeah. friend. Tell, tell us about one star
3: yeah so we were actually were set up by the state uh, launched in two thousand four focused on you know bringing Texans together around service and volunteerism, so we administer the AmeriCorps program for the state of Texas, really think about volunteerism um more broadly, you know strengthening the nonprofit sector, uh, a lot of work in disasters, so we were very involved after Harvey, which I know you all were. Uh, very much aware of um with our rebuild Texas fund, so we raised a hundred million dollars to to put out into the communities for recovery so we're we're we've been around for a while, but not as well known, so we're trying to get get past that
1: <laughs> mhm mm-hmm. so we're we're looking for or you need volunteers, how does that process work Chris
3: yeah so we our partners at Points of Light with their a national organization had done some research. And found that a lot of people who said they would volunteer, they just don't do it because they don't know where to start. And so we felt like we were positioned to be able to create something like volunteertx.org. So it's a web portal where you can go in as a Texan and, and really it's a great starting place to look at volunteer opportunities. So some of our partners like Volunteer Houston, which is great organization in Houston Volunteer Lubbock we have you know other folks around the state that feed volunteer opportunities into our portal so you can look and search for all kinds of different opportunities depending on what you're interested in
0: hmm. Hmm. so what impact do you believe that Volunteer uh, Texas uh, has the potential to make across the state
3: yeah well we know that volunteers are the kind of driving force Behind the nonprofit sector, the force multipliers so to speak so uh, nonprofits need volunteers they're they're critical to uh to our success and you know with covid a lot of volunteers just had to pull back i mean they just couldn't couldn't do it so as we start to come out of the pandemic, we want to make it as easy as possible for people to to reengage to get to get started again and and some people have maybe come to realize through this process how important uh, volunteers are. And so we want to make it easier for, for everybody to step up. So if there's anyone out there that's feeling like, eh, I don't know if I'm really needed, I want to encourage them to uh, not think that way. They are needed. They have unique life experiences and skill sets that someone out there could benefit from. So just encourage everybody to to step up and at least explore and see what opportunities are out there and might be of interest.
1: Be a great opportunity for some young people who maybe haven't found exactly what they what their purpose is, Chris, or yeah, uh, that's, or, or yeah. maybe a, a grandparent who or a retiree mm-hmm. who's looking to jumpstart or has a special mm-hmm. skill that he or she could bring to the table. I think this would be a great opportunity for them. Yeah,
3: there are so many young people that could benefit from the wisdom of of our you know, older Texans that could mentor or tutor. And if you're a young person, uh, it's a great way to volunteer and just, I don't know, get a taste for something. Like, it, you know, is it something you're interested in or not? Well, try it out. Volunteer and just see um, if it might be a fit and something you want to explore um, for a job. So, yeah, it's a great way to just try things out or just offer up the skills that you've just gained over your, your life.
0: So walk us through the platform like how you guys built this. Um I'm seeing that the, the technology around behind this um sounds complex. Um I, I, how long did it take for you all to build uh this Yeah, platform? so we had
3: looked at um a few different platforms and we were we really wanted to find something that could just feed in opportunities from across the state. So we were able to partner with Points of Light. They're out of Atlanta. Um and we're kind of started um, by President George H.W. Bush, Mm -hmm. kind of his thousand points of light. So they had created a platform at the national level, and we were able to work with them to get kind of a Texas version of it. And so it filters out opportunities that are just feeding in from Texas organizations. So um, it, you know, you just go on your website, like on your desktop, uh, laptop, or even on your mobile phone, and you just put in either your, um, a keyword for some type of volunteerism you want to do or by your geographic location. And you can search and then you can kind of drill down. Uh, we did put in a filter for like family opportunities. So, you know, I know personally I have two young boys and I want them to to understand the value of serving. And so it's just fun to do it together as a family. So that uh, is something we really want to encourage people to to look into. And we're really building out the remote Opportunity, so you know that's something that a lot of people have done during COVID, and we feel like that's a way, something that may stick around. So you can serve, you can be in Houston and maybe serve an organization in Lubbock. You know, it doesn't you don't have to be defined by geography as much these days. So um, really trying to make it easier for people to search for those kind of remote opportunities.
0: So, did you all have to like totally shut down when the pandemic hit uh, because your volunteers, you know, didn't want to go out and and things of that nature?
3: Yeah, it really depended. I mean, there were definitely some organizations like our food banks that ramped up. I mean, they just saw demand, um, you know, go out the roof. And so they continued to rely on volunteers. And then, you know, on the other side, you had a lot of our. Uh, museums or arts organizations uh, or school-based programs that had volunteers that had to really pivot and re- rethink how they use volunteers because they were no longer able to be in the schools. So if some organizations had to cut back um, volunteers entirely and some just had to really rethink how they did it, so it just looked very different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, go ahead. But overall about seventy per- 76% of Nonprofits that we've surveyed said that they had to had moderate or severe reductions in volunteers.
1: Chris, tell me about One Star and National Volunteer Week.
3: Yeah, so we launched during uh, National Volunteer Week. It was April 18th, um, and we just felt like that was the perfect time to to launch the tool and not only recognize the incredible. Service that Texans give when they volunteer, but also just announce this this tool um, to make it easier for people to volunteer. And we will hopefully next week um, be announcing um, the applications are open for our Governor's Volunteer Awards. So um, that's a, a program that we put on in partnership with the governor to recognize kind of incredible uh, volunteers across the state. So that information will all be on our one star website when that comes out.
0: For sure. One is the website. Yep. Right? Yes. One You're listening to the public affairs podcast. We are talking to Chris Bugby, the CEO of One Star, uh, for they they have just launched uh, a new um i guess portal if you will
3: yeah uh, we call it a, yeah a portal for volunteerism in texas
0: yeah a portal for volunteers is called volunteer tx so um who are the volunteer connector organizations and uh are you looking for more
3: yeah so we have great great partnerships with volunteer houston volunteer South Texas, which is uh, part of the United Way of South Texas, Um, San Antonio, uh, Volunteer Center of Lubbock, El Paso. Uh, There's one in Round Rock, which is around the Austin area. And we are definitely looking for additional partners. And we're trying to just make it as easy as possible for not only their opportunities to feed in, but for the people that they want to get to their website to be directed there through Volunteer TX. So we're hoping to amplify their work, or, you know, in no way competing, just trying to drive people to these opportunities. So when you find a volunteer opportunity on Volunteer TX and you click on it, you will ultimately end up on the website of, of our partner organization like Volunteer Houston.
0: And speaking of your partners, you got some key partners. Um, how are they involved in making Volunteer uh, TX work?
3: Yeah, so they, I mean, they are working you know round the clock with nonprofits and uh, corporations in their communities to you know identify volunteer opportunities, get them posted, and then also um, schedule you know volunteering events. and so they' they're working all the time to uh, build partnerships and, and really generate kind of enthusiasm for volunteerism in their community. So we're just trying to amplify what they're doing and get more Texans, um, to be aware of the work that they're doing.
1: Indeed. Chris, um, you mentioned uh, First Lady Cecilia Abbott, of course, Governor Greg Abbott. Yeah. Uh, are they hands-on? Are they involved in this or, or are they just spokespeople?
3: Yeah, so Mrs. Abbott um, has been very passionate about volunteerism and you might know this, um, You know, she still continues to volunteer with Meals on Wheels. So this is something that you know she's been uh, eager to be able to announce, and so I know as soon as we released it, um, it was up on her website uh, right away. So I know she's very excited to to see it out. So they um, are always talking about kind of the power of volunteerism uh, across the state, both the governor and first lady. So I know um, they're excited to see more Texans step up and serve.
1: Because we participate with meals on wheels every year in in awesome. in a in a in a large capacity uh to serve yeah. at, you know our end of the community so i i mm-hmm. I was kind of curious if uh if they were just talkers or actual walkers
3: <laughs> yeah they're they're walkers on on volunteerism for sure um and interfaith ministries there in Houston, which I know is a big um part of meals on wheels is a great partner of ours so mm-hmm. we're we're, we're proud of the work that they do.
0: Chris, how did you get involved in volunteering? Like what, what was it growing up that you saw or, or or who it was Mm -hmm. that you saw give their time and service to the people, to the community to make? Yeah, that's a great, great question.
3: Um, my, my parents and grandparents, I was just fortunate to, to have great role models to see that they, they made time for, the community. It was just something very important, uh, whether it was through our church or community organizations. Uh, they would serve on boards. They would do do these things. And um, it just made a mark on me that, um, you know, if they're taking time away from family to do this, it must be important. And so that was something that, that you know, I, I feel the same way and kind of have um, not only do it in my personal time, but kind of made it my career to help really promote the nonprofit sector and volunteerism,
0: yeah, and as the saying goes, you know it's better to give than receive, and it just feels yeah it's such a wonderful to is. give, especially to see yeah. you know people's faces and knowing that you care,
3: you know yeah, and you know sincere. and it it also, if you look at the research, um you know we don't do it for the selfish reasons, but if you do volunteer, it is good for your health, you mm-hmm. live longer. So, you know, there are some other reasons to think about it. <laughs> and you make
1: new friends. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's amazing the people you can meet at at, 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 at the warehouses to, when you're packing uh, food for uh, uh, the Meals on Wheels or or any of our other food banks. Um my first opportunity to serve was through the Thanksgiving meals downtown Houston. And I brought my daughter with me and we all left both just like, Dad, this was great. (laughs) You know, it was was, kind of amazing to uh, to be able to do that and give back. So we applaud you with we thank you and we appreciate your organization for what you're doing and in ramping up this volunteerism because it is needed. It
3: is definitely yes, needed. definitely. Well, we appreciate you helping us get the word out um, to your audience about this this platform. And if anyone uh, has any questions or wants to partner with us, the contact information is there on the site, and we'd be um, happy to hear from them.
0: So, if an organization needs volunteers, um, how do they get involved?
3: Yeah. So, if they if they want to have their volunteer opportunities show up on on our platform, there is a, a link on our homepage that says "Become a Partner," and they can click there. We'll either get them connected to their local volunteer organization like Volunteer Houston or, or Volunteer Lubbock or talk to them about becoming a feed partner where their opportunities will feed directly into the site. Okay. And then um the
0: platform. Yep. Oh, I wanna ask if you can walk us through an individual using the platform to find a volunteer opportunity. Like is it is it possible to designate, you know, locations or uh, the types of service individuals are interested in doing
3: Yeah, I mean you can start right on the homepage by clicking the keywords. So if you're really interested in food banks or mentoring, you can start there. It will auto-populate with the location where it kind of thinks you are based on your, you know, your phone. Uh, and so when you click through, it'll give you a list of opportunities and then on the left you can Click if you want that to be in person or remote. If you want it to be a one-time or maybe an ongoing opportunity, you can pick different issue areas to skill uh, to, you know, narrow down on, uh, or features like you want it to be a family-friendly um, volunteer activity, good for teens, good for kids. There's all kinds of filters that you can use to really try to narrow it down to um, to what works for you. We've got. Um, over 2,000 opportunities right now waiting for someone to go in and claim. So we'd love for people to go check it out.
1: Chris, in the remaining minutes uh, this morning on the podcast, is there anything else we need to cover? Did we miss anything or are we good?
3: I think we're good. Just like I said before, just if there's anyone out there that just thinks, you know, volunteerism isn't really for them, no one would you know, they're either too young or they haven't done enough or no one, you know, I I want them to put all that out of their head and just realize that whatever life skills they have, I promise you someone could benefit from. Um, Maybe you had a hard life, maybe you had, um, you know, but there's someone out there that really could, you could mentor, you could really, um, you know, use your life skills to the benefit of others. So just encourage everybody to, to take a chance, step out a little bit and try something new
0: indeed Excellent. chris bugby ceo of one star uh, for their volunteer tx has just launched it's an online hub for volunteerism uh, throughout the state of texas and it connects um it, it connects us all for those yeah. who want to volunteer organizations and individuals uh, as well and uh give the site one more time chris
3: yeah, so the website is volunteertx.org.
0: Volunteertx.org. Log on, check it out. Do something good. Make make your heart feel happy. Because giving is is always better to give than receive. It's the
1: Texas way. It's in our DNA. That's right. There's no That's question right. about it. All right, Chris, we thank you. Thank you all so very much. much. Appreciate it. Yes, sir. We appreciate you. Our friends, thank you so much for being a part of the podcast. Chris and I will return again next week. We thank you for listening and God bless you and have a wonderful day.